Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Powers. And I'm Megan Francis. And you're listening to a special series from the Mom Hour podcast called Pandemic Perspectives. In this series of episodes, we're talking to parents and people from around the world whose lives are affected by the COVID-19 global pandemic in a way that might not make it into your social media feeds quite as often. You'll hear from families on the front lines experiencing an unprecedented time in a very specific way. And you'll hear what's challenging as well as what's hopeful. We can't wait to share their stories with you. Welcome to Pandemic Perspectives from the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Powers, and you are listening to Pandemic Perspectives on the Mom Hour. Today, I'm talking with Christina, a mom of four from Baltimore. Christina, thank you so much for being here. And tell us about your family, how old your kids are, and what you do for a living. Yeah. Hi, Sarah. I'm so glad to be here. So I am a mom of four. My kids are almost eight, six, just turned six, three, and one. Wow. Um, Yeah. It's pretty busy. Yeah. Um, I have a fabric shop, a small modern fabric shop in Baltimore, Maryland, and I live with my husband as yeah. well. Um, so before the pandemic, tell me about your shop. It's called Domesticity Studio. Is that correct? Yes. What would that have looked like in the time before COVID-19? It's a brick and mortar. Just tell me a little bit about like what life was like <laughs> before. All it this. is. It is a brick and mortar. So the reason I opened it is because fabric is a really hard thing to do online. Like it's a very tactile thing and it's just a great experience going into a nice fabric shop. So um, we actually have been in business for almost three years and bought a new building. We started in an upstairs bedroom of 250 square feet and we're in there for about two years, more than two years. And we bought a building two years ago that took that long to renovate. It was completely gutted. So we just moved in in December. So our life has already had a pretty big upheaval in the last few months. It's been good, really positive, because now we're in a 2,400 square foot building. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've been adjusting to that. So before, you know, it was really, I would come in five days a week, five or six days a week um, and just work the shop and people would come in and shop and chat. And it was just a really social community Mm -hmm. oriented place all in person. We had just launched an online shop, like light launch about two weeks before this happened. But in the, in the mindset of like, okay, well, we'll just grow this and like, let people know that it's out there once we have it all set. So it was nice that we had it kind of started, but you know, it was not a shop on its own. It was very much an in person experience. And we also offer classes and classes. We have a whole workshop upstairs now. Yeah. Um, And that was one of our favorite parts of the community and also about like a third of our sales. Um, Sure. And so that clearly had to stop. (laughs) Um, Were your customers mostly quilters and crafters, I would guess? I mean, what was your main customer base before? Yeah. So uh, really fabric related. Mm -hmm. We don't have many side things. Right. Um, And it's about 50-50 quilters and garment sewers. Um, And I'd say we tend to be more on the young side Mm -hmm. because 
the fabrics just are less traditional. They're more modern. Um, but we have a really broad range of ages. Um, but there are lots of like 20s to 40s women, single and moms. And, um, and then a lot of retirees who mm-hmm. just got time again in their lives. Yeah. So they were really excited. Yeah. Well, I love shopping for fabric. So in another time, <laughs> in another place, I cannot wait to come into Domesticity Yay. Studio. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, so <laughs> let's talk about um, how your business has changed. And I'll just set you up here. I happen to know that you shifted very quickly into both um, online ordering and mask mobilizing mask making. So just talk about how that got started and what has happened in the last couple months. Yes. So everything shut down and I had a few days of thinking, oh my gosh, like how will we do this? But I, because I had that online shop going, I was able to spend some days getting our inventory on. And luckily I have such a great community who really just wanted to support. Mm -hmm. And I think within a week or two, the mask drive started. So basically there was a call put out, hey, in Indiana, like, can you make masks and this spread like wildfire? And then we started getting very specific requests from hospitals locally. And once one hospital found out that I had asked the community to make and um, donate to them, it just kind of like we became the hub of like, hey, well, can you make some for us? So let me pause there. So you just so that I make sure I understand the need for masks um, was obviously apparent. Were you mobilizing by by helping your community understand how to make them? Were you providing fabric? Were people looking to you for the patterns? Like help me understand the relationship between the need and you and the makers, or are you making them all? No, I have (laughs) actually not sewn a single mask. Oh, interesting. (laughs) I have only been cutting and making these. Well, cutting the website, having made a few um, and (laughs) knowing a little bit about sewing, cutting is a huge part of it. So it's a lot of it. So it was all such a jumble. So it basically felt like we at first were clearly providing the fabric. So we have our retail operation going on all the time now. Mm -hmm. Then as the need grew, people, more mask patterns were coming out and Mm -hmm. everything just seemed really jumbled. And there was so much information. You're like, okay, well, am I wasting my time making this or that? So I was able to compile a website with three patterns that hospitals were asking us for, three specific patterns. Um, So that gave three specific options for people to mm-hmm. say, okay, I don't even have to look at anything else. I can go here and look at these. Yes. We worked with Hopkins to actually come up with an approved Johns Hopkins pattern um, that we released. And that helped people a lot because they were like, okay, this yeah. is a hospital backing a pattern. I feel really good about yeah. this. So then we were able to um, get materials specifically for the Hopkins pattern. Like they require ties instead of elastic and things like that. Um, so we've Still are providing the materials. Then I also, from the beginning, have been providing donated materials. Mm-hmm. Um, some, it started off with us just donating them. And then people were also really wanting to help financially who couldn't sew. So now we also are taking monetary donations that basically buy fabric and materials for makers who have the time to sew right. but don't have the money. So we, on our back porch, have fabric all the time or almost all the time. Um, we also are collecting donated fabric. From mm-hmm. people who, again, have a stash that they want rid of. Um, and so I can divvy that up to sew us. Um, so, yeah, we've been providing the and then we became a request hub also. So yeah. now we have, I think, we had like 20,000 masks requested right now. We've collected about 8,000. Um, we 
my husband unfortunately lost his job at the beginning of all of this. Wow. Unfortunately and fortunately, mm-hmm. because yes, he was the one actually making the money, but um and supporting our family. But there's no way I could do this yeah. without him right now because we have four small children at home who I was home with. So he is running all the request forms. He's kind of like that's almost like a side business that's not a business, you know? Mm-hmm. Um it yeah. takes a lot of time. And he, we have a volunteer now who's also coordinating local drop-offs in different neighborhoods. And we are kind of all points of contact, which is helpful for people. Um, we have not been sewing or making masks to sell here. I might try to do that if I can get my brain around it. It sounds like <laughs> you have. We've had so many people. <laughs> a lot on your plate. Um, yeah. <laughs> do, have you noticed a difference? I loved, that was so interesting hearing about the Johns Hopkins approved design and, mm-hmm. um, I I agonized over finding the right pattern when I finally started to make yes. a few for my family because I was like, there are so many. And so just hearing you articulate um, the way you were able to simplify that for people um, is so helpful. I'm curious, as mm-hmm. I noticed that things really shifted from a call to make masks for healthcare workers to people starting to make masks for themselves and loved ones and actual community members, once the CDC actually, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of shifted their thoughts, did that change anything for you? Are people, are the masks that you are making still going to hospitals and healthcare workers, or do you feel like there's a wider community need right now? Or is it all kind of, has it all blurred together? So yes, things changed a lot. I mean, I feel like every week it seems like something new has happened and like our business has to pivot again. Um, I think what changed the most is the retail business because we went from really serving just the people who were making the mask for donation, which is a smaller pool, sure. to now everybody needs a mask. Everybody is pulling out that sewing machine that's been mm-hmm. sitting in the back of their closet. Everybody is wondering if we have elastic, which is really hard to find, yeah. um, which we actually do have right now. Um, and we just started getting a lot more purchases for private which is fine. I mean, we still are a retail shop. Um, the other thing is I think we just started getting a lot more clientele from different, different places that wouldn't have found us before Uh because Joanne's had to close in person, which was good. Um, and I think that their wait time is really, really long. So Mm -hmm. in Baltimore, we literally are the only fabric shop in the city. And well, it's so interesting you say that because here in Orange County, I was looking for this is before the pandemic and I can't remember why, but I just have such good memories of going to independently owned fabric stores when I was a kid. And I mm-hmm. looked it up and I don't think we have a single independently owned fabric store in Orange County. And I could be wrong, but Orange County is a big, large, sprawling mm-hmm. place. And it's Joanne's and, you know, Hobby Lobby. There's that's it. And so sad. I know. It's so sad. Well, I'm it's glad people are finding you fabric online. You yeah. Got. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are online places, but yeah, a lot of local people really want to support us. And I mean, we still are offering at the time when that started, when this major shift happened, we could have a one day, like day of turnaround. And now we've had to push to one day turnaround. But still, yeah. that's better than waiting for anything to ship. It's better than waiting for Joanne's for six or seven days yeah. to only find out that they're out of whatever it is. And we can still offer good customer service. Yeah, I love that. Are you having supply chain issues at all? How um, I'm sure that's like a whole other conversation, but um, your inventory is stocked for the most part. Yes. I mean, I'm having to order all the time, mm-hmm. it feels like. Um, 
we, I feel like the supply chain issues are for specific things like elastic or twill tape or, you know, like the specialty items. Fabric overall, the suppliers at first had closed and then they had to open because if you're asking everyone to wear a face mask, they have to have the supplies to make the face mask. Um, So I found the ones that ship pretty fast. Um, We have a funny one is African fabrics. There's an African fabric supplier that I get stuff from and he can ship it to me within like it arrives in 17 hours. I mean, it's it's absurd in this day and age. It's amazing. Yeah. And that one has been a real hit. so yeah, I think that, and, and people are understanding too. Yes. I think that's what's really nice. It's like, when I say, look, we're waiting, they're like, okay, well, we'll wait. Like yeah. there's no other option. There is no other option. Well, what feels hard right now? We haven't even talked about the home front, um, but <laughs> what, feels, what feels hard? Yeah, the juggle of, I mean, my kid, everything feels hard. Um, it's really nice that we have a place to escape do, you know, like, because we are not stuck in our house. We like my husband or I can come to the shop, but my, like the cutting is physically hurting my body. My, I do have one employee who's here and we're basically cutting every day together. Um, my kids are definitely like, I, I think they would be doing better if I was at home with them more. And that's really hard. But at the same time, this is, I know this is a momentary thing. And I know that this is a place where I can help in a time where people need help, you know? And so they do understand that they're here. Sometimes we actually have a playroom downstairs. Um, we had been at the beginning of all this, we'd been also delivering fabric because we offer local delivery. Mm-hmm. And so I would literally be here till six or seven. My husband would come with the kids. We'd divvy the kids into cars and drive around the city until 10 oh and gosh. deliver fabric every day. Oh my god! And then gosh. finally, after like a month, the kids were like, um, we are not doing this. Like, <laughs> so remember, I just hired a like, delivery remember driver. Remember bedtime? Remember what that was like? Oh my gosh. I will say the plus side of that is they would fall asleep in the car most times. Yeah. And so we would just have to like transition them to their beds. And that was amazing. Oh my gosh. Um, and it was nice time together, actually, you know. Yeah. So we still might do it a few nights a week, but most like, yeah. So it's really hard to get any at home time with them. Yeah. Like homeschooling is not happening I'm, right now. I'm going to, on behalf of everyone listening, going to give you a pass on homeschooling, Christina. Yeah. Like you are, Thank you, you I, do not need to do that. <laughs> Thank you. And luckily my kids are little, like I know yeah. they will be okay. And yeah. yeah, there's a lot of TV. Yeah. Oh my, it, I mean, you know, we are really just making it and getting by and I'm definitely putting the shop and the fabric and helping others at this point first. And also, I mean, I have to, the shop is doing well, business-wise. And that's great because of my husband. Like now we have that added pressure of like, okay, we need it to do well right now. Right. Right. Yeah. There's just so many levels. I mean, it was like pivoting on all fronts. Yeah. It's really hard. We live in the same neighborhood as my parents and I, we don't see, we don't, we see them from six feet, but we do not actually get their help. And that hurts my mom. I mean, it's just, it's hard. It's hard. It's all hard. It's all really hard. Um, what feels hopeful to you right now? Well, that the business is doing well. Yeah. That feels great. And also seeing the community. I mean, I cannot tell you like how many people have been making masks and helping, how many people have just been saying how useful it makes them feel in a time, in a really hard time. And it's really touching and that we get to see the makers and then also the people, the recipients and how much it means to them. I mean, like today I'm waiting for, um, a foster care, the the, Baltimore city foster care system they're coming to get some masks to give to older foster mm-hmm. kids, um, actually like late teens. 
And that's just so cool that we can be helping yeah. in those ways. So I feel yeah. like the community connections that have been made are really special. And that, that gives me hope. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to share? And, and also, I would love to know how our listeners can find you and get in touch with you um, or, or order, not, not just get in touch with you. To, yeah, to no, hang out. You don't have time for that. Um, but I mean, how to find your shop online and how to help um, if they feel inspired to help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would just say, I, I think what's another hard thing is just, um, I feel bad in this environment saying that it's hard for me when my business is thriving. Yeah. Um, but it is like, I think that everyone just has their own struggles. And I think it's just remembering that. And like, yes, my business is thriving, but yes, Peyton lost his job. And also it takes a lot of time mm -hmm. to make a business go like this. Um, so that's it. just remembering that people have their own struggles. Yeah. Um, and as far as finding me, I would love it if people found me. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Create Domesticity. And we, our website, the online shop is shopdomesticity.com. Yeah. And we'll link to all of that in the show awesome. notes. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, just me personally, I, I have been looking for fabric and oh. do it like everybody out there yeah. is... I feel like you're doing something that everybody can participate in. And mm -hmm. that is so helpful right now, because like you said, people want to feel useful. So, yeah. And their fabrics are very soft. They work very well. That's you will be very, we've had a lot of people who've never experienced nicer fabrics and they're like, wow, like that's awesome. I had no idea this existed. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. really cool. Well, Christina, thank you so much for taking a few minutes out of your busy day. And thank you for all the work you're doing. It's incredible. And we're just so lucky to have you in our community. Thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you for all you're doing and to highlight people's experiences. Sarah, the stories we've been hearing and sharing as part of this special pandemic perspective series are so important. And they've really got me thinking about ways to help and make an impact. I know that right now our listeners are also eager to make a difference. So we're excited to share a great opportunity from our friends at Crisis Text Line. Yes. So Crisis Text Line offers 24-7 support from trained crisis counselors, all delivered via text to people in crisis. As you can imagine, our current national situation with people stuck at home and sometimes in unsafe or unhealthy situations, it's really created a huge demand for extra mental health support. Crisis Text Line is responding to that need by building up its base of volunteer crisis counselors. And this could be a perfect opportunity for you. You don't have to have any particular education or work background to apply, just a desire to help out and empathy, which we know our listeners have so much of. Oh yeah, and you'll also need a strong Wi-Fi signal. You can do this important work during nap time, after the kids are in bed or before they get up in the morning. You can do it in your pajamas, on the sofa, wherever you are, and whatever your home life situation, Crisis Text Line can accommodate you as a volunteer. Crisis Text Line provides all the training you'll need to turn your desire to help into the skills and knowledge you need to make a difference. It's actually 30 hours of training, so it's a big commitment, but you can be confident that you'll have the tools and information you need to do the work. This is such a great way to make a difference right now when we know so many of you are feeling helpless because you're stuck at home. Just go to themomhour.com slash CTL. Even if you can't get started right now, it's a good idea to go through the application and training process because we know the mental health impact of COVID-19 is going to last for some time. Applying to become a crisis counselor is a great way to start the ball rolling on a volunteer opportunity that could be really rewarding and impactful now and in the future. And if you're having a hard time right now and you need some help, you can also get support right now. Text GO to 741-741 and you'll be connected to a trained crisis counselor. 
It usually takes less than five minutes to connect with someone who can provide a listening ear. You don't have to be in a dire situation to reach out. Crisis Text Line really is for any situation where you need some extra help and support. Again, if you're interested in applying to become a crisis counselor, go to themomhour.com slash CTL to get started. Or if you could use some support yourself, text GO to 741-741 and you'll be matched with a counselor of your own. Again, that's themomhour.com slash CTL to apply to become a volunteer crisis counselor or you can text GO to 741-741 to be connected with a crisis counselor. Hi, everyone. I'm Megan Francis and you're listening to Pandemic Perspectives on The Mom Hour. Today, I'm talking with Sarah, a mom and stepmom of five from Ohio. Sarah, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Um, So Sarah, tell us a little bit about your family. So you've got five kids total in your home, um, your kids and steps. So what are their ages? And Okay, so um, my oldest daughter, she is 15. Her name's Kenna. Um, I have a son who is 12, Aiden. Um, And then his kids, Brayden is 12 as well. So um, lovingly refer to them as the twins, even though not the situation. Right. <laughs> so, um, and then we also have, um, his daughter Bailey, who's nine, she'll be 10 in June. And then Claire Bear just turned six. Oh, you have a Claire Bear. That's what we call Clara yeah. often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. So how long has your family been blended? So we, um, my husband and I have been together for three and a half years. Okay. We've lived together for two and a half years. And then we had a, so we, then we got engaged last July, um, on a trip, which was fun. And then neither of us are the type of people that can really wait for anything. (laughs) Like we want something like it's going to happen like shortly. So then when we, we got back from our trip, we're like, you know what, let's, let's just, make it official. Let's go to the courthouse. It'll just be you and I, it's going to be great. And we'll do a ceremony later. So we did that um, at the end of September and we didn't even actually tell anybody until Thanksgiving dinner. Oh my gosh, that would be really hard. Okay. So that was big news. And then you were planning to have your ceremony like soon, right? Yes. On June 1st as a destination wedding in Florida. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of feeling like potentially on hold. I imagine that's creating some some stress. So it is not on hold yet. Okay. We are like waiting for the very, very, very last minute before we just say, yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, so we had invited like 60 people. We knew that 40 were going to come. 20 have canceled. So okay. we're sitting at, you know, you know sisters, brothers. His parents are going to come. My parents, unfortunately, um, we found out, I think it was Sunday, that they're not going to be able to make it. That's really hard. And it sounds like, from what you told us, you have another, or you had another big life transition planned, which is also kind of up in the air. So tell us about that. Yes. So with being blended, we're, you know, it's his kids, my kids, and then us, and then as a family. And we really want to add another child to our family. So then there is that connection with everybody. Like that child is the connection that makes everyone a family and not Mm -hmm. just, you know, it's a little bit more solidifying in a relationship. We feel we felt like, and that's something that we really want to experience with one another. Um, So 
we really started, you know, planning for that about 18 months ago. And the added obstacle is that he had had a vasectomy previously. Oh my goodness. So there was okay. going to so be that's an obstacle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. The challenge. So we had had to go through the process of trying to find a doctor and get in. There's a bunch of tests that you you have to do to make sure that the the procedure would even work. And then they wanted me to go ahead and see my doctor and go through all the tests. So every we just wanted to make sure that everything was was good to go and whatnot. So everything was given the green light. We had to wait um, about nine months for the surgery date. And then that was March, I think 24th was the date. And then surgery got canceled on the 23rd. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. And so with things the way they are, it might be a while before you can get that rescheduled. Um, So that's a bummer because it sounds like you guys are really like, you know, go-getters. Like you make a decision and you move on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we had it kind of planned, lined up that after, you know, the surgery and stuff would take place, they're like, well, you're looking about three to six months is usually when people would become pregnant. We're like, great, that works perfect. Get the surgery in March, have the wedding in June, be pregnant, hopefully like July, August. And it just, everything was looking picture perfect. Mm. All five of our kids swim. So then the baby would be born in kind of their downtime. And I mean, (laughs) yeah, that's not happening now. So you're a stay-at-home mom, but so you've been home with the kids anyway, but even so, your life looks way different than before this all started, just like it does for everybody. So tell us about that a little bit. How How is your life looking besides the fact that everything that you thought was going to happen now is not happening right now or mm-hmm. possibly not happening right now? Um, what What else is different about your life than two months ago? So two months ago, we would have been in February. Um we have all five of the kids are in swimming. Mm. So, so the two 12 year olds and the 13 year old, uh, sorry, two 12 year olds and a 15 year old, they practice six days a week. And then the little girls practice three or four days a week. Mm. So from three 15 till nine 30, we're running various mm. kids to and from practice. Right. Um, so that, abruptly ended on I think March March 11th and they were going into their championship season everything that they've been doing since August has been in preparation for the next two or three weekends yeah and we didn't even get to tell our older daughter that this her season was over and that she wasn't going to be going to double a championships or zones um and that was her her goal in one of our mm. other son's goals was to make it to the step right before nationals in an individual event. And it looked very, very promising for them. And they've only been swimming for, for less than two years. So for them to be able to do that is a huge feat. And then looking yeah. like it's right there, ready to happen for them, that they made it happen through their hard work and all of that. Um, I think that was... And, that was hard for my husband and I and for the, the two kids. It's just like, there's no finality mm, to yeah. what happened. And I know that we're, we're blessed. They're younger. Um, there's teammates and stuff that, that, that was it for them. Yeah. So. That's so hard. And especially swimming because it's not even like a sport. You can just kind of play at home. <laughs> you know, it's right. like you have to be in a pool um, to mm-hmm. do that. And the fact that that's such a big part of their lives and all of their lives together, it's like, 
at least they're all in in the disappointment together. But then it's also just like this is the one thing they all share. I can imagine how that would be really hard to have that disrupted. How about schooling at home? Has that been been hard, especially in a blended family? I'm thinking about kind. I know with myself in a divorced family, the disruption of the kids going back and forth has been challenging. Keeping up with schoolwork and keeping the communication in a completely new way has been tough. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we're really blessed. Our our school district is phenomenal. And before, like, we got the the word that schools were closing and all that stuff. They a couple of days before, actually, they said, "All right, this coming Friday, we're going to do a learn from home, just to, in preparation if anything were to happen, like just to see how things go, and we can prepare." Mm-hmm. And then a couple of days later is when we realized that we were going to be going back to school. Um, and we started on the 25th and the 25th, 26th and the 27th. I remember those days very well. It was full of tears mm. and not just from the kids, <laughs> from yeah. me too. It was just trying to make sure that we had all the logins saved on the computer. Oh my gosh. And- like that's just making the hair on the back of my neck stand up. <laughs> like mm-hmm. all the, yeah. all the logisticals. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we have a kindergartner, fourth grade, two sixth graders, and then the freshman, the freshman, she's good. So trying to get everything logged in and set up and making sure that the, the way that um, their teachers wanted things submitted was working. And that was working for four kids, but not one kid. And I mean, things like that, um, we work through now, it's working out pretty great. Um, we do a two two five and five split. So like two days at their mom's house, two days at our house, five days at their mom's house, five days at our house kind of thing. And I'm a stay at home mom. So kind of when we decided that about 18 months ago that I would stay home, my air quote job was the kids. Mm -hmm. And we kind of decided that between the three parents involved. So when we decided that we also decided that I would be childcare. So anytime their mom was working, like before school and after school, they would just come to our house. So it's been mm, challenging to to teach five kids because I know myself and patience isn't one of the <laughs> things that I have an overabundance of. So it's definitely made me slow down and really think about how I react to something. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, Aiden, you're asking me a math question. I didn't just sit through the tutorial. Right. Um, Brayden's sitting right next to you. Do you think maybe that you can go ahead and ask him because he is stronger in math, but then you're stronger in social studies. So like you guys can kind of ask each other questions. Yeah. Well, it's surprising how not surprising, I think it actually makes total sense, but it's not it's not like you're saying it's not that the work is necessarily so hard or the schedule so rough. It's more that the kids are kind of like a little lost because they don't have all the cues. They're not sitting in a classroom looking at the whiteboard that has all their assignments on it. And like the teacher talking at them, they're they're at home. So there's all the distractions of home. And I've noticed um, with my youngest, who's 11, so she's older but she sometimes has a hard time figuring out where to start. She doesn't know what to get started on first. She'll lose track of things, even though they're written down because they're not, it's not the same experience as it was in the classroom. And so that can become tricky because I also work from home. And so 
Like there's a lot of up and down, making sure everyone's where they're supposed to be, but not really knowing if they're actually doing the things they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> so you just have to have some faith, I guess, that, um, that the teachers are on it. And I think they're trying, you know, it's just, it's hard for everybody. So yeah, our teachers sense. are really great. Um, especially with the sixth graders, because yeah. like, this is their first year of having multiple different teachers. It's helping the boys a lot um, be being more independent and yeah. not having mom or stepmom hovering over like, have you done it? Yeah. And you yeah. see it. Show me. Show me. <laughs> show me. Show me. Show me. The, <laughs> that's not the age that they're in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is nice. Well, that's a lot of hard stuff. Um, what feels hopeful? right now hopeful um our kids are becoming you know really great kids around each other before they i guess i don't know they would fight and squabble and now mm. like they're just really getting along um yesterday i had to take the littlest one to a doctor's appointment um and i came home with her and they're all sitting in the living room tv's not on they're playing a board game together. Wow. Like these are things that would never, I don't think have would have happened if this hadn't been yeah. a situation the whole world was put in, really. Um yeah. we talked a little bit earlier about how my husband and I are just like, we always have a plan. And if we want something, we're gonna make it happen and we're gonna figure it out. I think this whole thing has taught us that we can't plan for everything and we need to be able to roll with the punches just mm. a little bit better. Like we can't control everything and you, you just need to let go. Like yeah. the wedding that's supposed to happen on June 1st. Um, we don't know. I just talked to the wedding planner um, about an hour ago. And she's like, as of right now, we are not allowed to have weddings in the state of Florida. Yeah. So that might change. That might not change. Are you okay with making it a last minute decision? So we're we're just told the wedding planner if we can put our feet in the sand and look at the ocean and get married, nothing else matters. It does there doesn't need to be really flowers. We need the two of us and our kids there because they this is a huge thing in their lives that they've been looking forward to. So this is something that really they want to experience and we want yeah. them to experience. And we did get married, but it was in the courthouse and it right. was about three minutes long. Right. Yeah. We want that experience for ourselves and for them. But now you've figured out which parts of it really need to happen and are the most important. And um, I think that that's true for all of us that we're kind of figuring out what, what we really need and what really matters. um, And maybe you're getting better at letting some of the rest go. Well, Sarah, is there anything else you wish other moms, listeners understood about um, just your experience as a stay at home mom and stepmom of five? Um, and just what your what your experience has been like. I think just keeping in mind that this is something that our kids are going to remember forever. And I want our five kids to look back and like, yeah, that was a really strange time. But I had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Like we did it. And it wasn't yelling and screaming and fighting and I mean, living with seven people. I think that we I mean, we I know for sure that we've gotten better at being together Mm -hmm. the little things that would have annoyed us two months ago and would have turned into a fight or an argument or disagreement just haven't really happened at all like we're letting things go not taking things as serious um as long as 
people are in good moods and they've been fed and we've got <laughs> some sort of school done. I mean, that that's a win. And if you're, you're dressed, then yeah, <laughs> big check, big check for the day. Are you talking to me? Cause I'm in my pajamas right now, but I'm going to get dressed the minute we get off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been great to hear your perspective and best of luck with all of your plans and things. Um, I hope that all works out just as close to the way you hoped as possible. Whatever happens, happens. I mm. that's that's the point where we're at. Yeah. We would love for it to work out, but if it doesn't, we'll figure something else out. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for being on the Mom Hour. Thanks, Megan. We have so enjoyed getting to know so many of you and hearing your stories for this series. It's just really eye-opening to get a sense of how this is all playing out in different families and careers and communities across the United States and beyond. Yes, and if you've been listening along and thinking, oh, I wish they'd done a story that reflects my experience, here's your chance. We're still looking for guests to be interviewed as a part of the series over the next few weeks, and we would love to share your story. In particular, we're still looking for stories of small business owners and employees, retail, restaurant, hospitality, service businesses, people whose livelihoods have been interrupted and will continue to be impacted by COVID-19. If that's you, or if you have another story you'd love to share with us, please visit themomhour.com slash perspectives to fill out a short form letting us know more about your story and we'll be in touch. Again, that's themomhour.com slash perspectives to let us know how COVID-19 is impacting you, your family, your business, and your community. We hope to hear from you soon. Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Powers, and you are listening to Pandemic Perspectives on the Mom Hour. Today, I'm talking to Katie, a mom of two from Pennsylvania. Katie, thank you so much for being here. And tell us about your family and where you live and what you and your husband do for a living. My pleasure. My name is Katie Snowdy. I live in central Pennsylvania, and I am a mom to a 14-month-old and a stepmom to an almost 13-year-old. Okay. And I am a mechanical engineer. I work in a steel mill and my husband is, also works at the steel mill and he's an electrician. Okay. So before all of this happened, what's your day-to-day role at the steel mill as a mechanical engineer? Um, I do a lot of project work. So I'm on our engineering team. So anytime there's um, upgrades that we want to make or something that's causing um, an outage that was unplanned or we have a planned outage and we need to make some repairs, I'm responsible for a lot of the mechanical and structural side of those different projects. And is your steel mill considered, I mean, it is open for business as, as we record this, is that correct? Yeah. So in Pennsylvania, it started out as essential businesses and then went to quote unquote life sustaining businesses. So we are considered a life sustaining business. Okay. And your husband works there as well, but I believe you have different hours. Is that correct? That's correct. I work during the day. So like 5.30 to 1.30-ish. And then he works 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Okay. So you go into work at 5.30 a.m. You get off in the early afternoon. You have a few hours at home together and then he works nights. Wow. Correct. That that by itself, not in a global pandemic, is um, definitely a challenge, I would assume. Um, is that something that you felt like you guys kind of had it down before all this happened? Or is that just challenging, as challenging as it sounds? Um, it can be challenging, but we are very fortunate that the baby has slept through the night since he was six months old. Oh, man. So we've gotten a good, you know, 13 hours 
of sleep from him every night. So that is beneficial because he's not up until my husband gets home and nobody has to worry about taking care of him. Right. Right. Um, but the my 13 year old, she during school time would wake up at six o'clock in the morning. And if he was fussing or anything on the rare occasion, she'd take care of him. But we also have my father-in-law in the house and okay. he helps if needed. But okay. everybody's pretty independent. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what's changed. You're still going to work and your husband's still going to work. So what feels most different about your family life and your work life um, than it did, say, two months ago? Um, the family life aspect, the biggest change is having um, my stepdaughter home all day, every day since she's not going to school. Mm -hmm. She it's actually been a change for the better because she does a lot of helping to take care of her brother mm -hmm. and lets my husband get a chance to rest during the day where he normally wouldn't. Right. So it's actually a welcome change. Mm -hmm. And then for work, the biggest thing was at first, nothing changed for us. It was business as usual, but now there's um, a lot more emphasis on social distancing. Um, and we are required to wear masks at all times while we're at work, unless mm -hmm. we're in a closed office by ourselves. Okay. And so that's really challenging. Like, you know, if I have to run down the hall to ask somebody a question or get something from the printer or run to the bathroom, you have to remember to put your mask on. And if you're out and about as um, I'm a salaried person and we have hourly employees, we have to remind them constantly to mm -hmm. remember to wear their masks and keep their distance. So it's a lot more that you have to remember throughout the day. Yeah. And has your husband's job been relatively the same as well? Um, he's an electrician, you said? Yeah, he is. So typically the mill is operating when he's out. So he's kind of, you know, doing small projects uh, with his partner, unless the mill shuts down for some reason, he has to go fix it. Um, so for him, most of the things have stayed the same, but he also has a hard time remembering that they, they need masks and yeah. um, different things like that. I would imagine it would feel very strange to have so many details of your life feel the same when like the world is so different. Has that felt like kind of, I mean, most of the moms we're talking to in this series have had their work or their husband's work drastically change. And for you guys, it's more that the world has changed and the expectations are changing and you're, you're still open for business. Has that been strange in a way? It's been very bizarre. I mean, our schedule, honestly, aside from doing the, you know, schoolwork, we do it on Saturdays. Mm. That That's the only thing that has changed for us. I always only went grocery shopping one day a week. And so it seems like nothing has changed until you start tuning into the news or, you know, podcasts. I listen to podcasts every day and mm -hmm. everything around us has changed. And we just sort of feel like we're in this whole different world. Yeah. Interesting. Well, what feels hardest for you right now in all of this? I think it's that what we were just talking about is that, you know, I feel like nothing really has changed and um, it's hard to carry on with my normal because I, you know, my normal is I drive to work every day. I listen to podcasts. I drive home. I listen to podcasts mm -hmm. and I take care of my family. And it's when I'm listening to those podcasts that I'm like, wow, every, everybody's telling me that I should embrace this extra time with my family mm. or, you know, all these special things that we could be doing as a family since we're all stuck inside. And I, I'm not, and I don't feel like, you know, I'm part of the community because 
I'm on the outside. Yeah. So you kind of feel like you're left out of a, a part of the collective experience that's being talked about. Yeah. It's like, you know, everybody's experiencing the same thing. And it's like, I don't know that I want to be experiencing it because I hear that it's hard. Yeah. But I'm also like, well, I want to be part of the group. Yeah. You want to. Yeah. There's a we all have, I think, a human need to feel like there's a shared experience. Um do you have that with coworkers? What's the what's the work culture like at work? Do you have are people feeling like they're in this together? Yeah, we all kind of talk about that, how it seems like for us a lot, not a lot has changed. I just had a conversation with a coworker about that this morning. The main difference is, though, everybody else is going home to people who their day to day has changed. Mm -hmm. So they kind of get that daily perspective of, oh, yeah, this isn't the norm. Right. Whereas in our house, it's like it's like nothing has changed. Right. That's so interesting. Uh, Well, what feels hopeful right now to you? What are what's bringing you hope? Um, The relationship that I see forming between my two kids brings me a lot of hope. Um, I think having the older one home during this time is so special because, you know, the little one, he's not going to remember it, Mm -hmm. but she is. And they are just bonding so much. You can see how much they love each other, how much they play together. It is just the sweetest thing and more than I could have ever hoped for. I love that. I love that so much. And what a special time for her. She, like you said, she will remember that always. And you know, that bond will be there always. Um, Is there anything else that you'd like to share from the perspective of somebody who is going to work every day and who is in an essential business um, or anything that you would like to share with our audience? I just, um, I just think that when we're using the language of we're all in this together, maybe we could try to include some of us that aren't feeling like we're in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it's kind of comforting for everybody to feel like if you're all in this together, but um, maybe just like you're doing with this, including those of us that aren't because sure. we're kind of feeling left out. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Just remembering that um, there are many different ways families are experiencing this. And one of them is being, you know, needing to go out into the world and work every day. So yeah, I really appreciate that perspective. And we're so grateful for you and your husband and the work that you're doing. And um, I'm glad you're saving all your schoolwork for Saturdays. I think that's a super smart strategy. So I hope that's working for you as well. (laughs) We've had a couple of snafus, but it's working for the most part. (laughs) I love that. I love that. We've talked to some teachers who, you know, just want everybody to know that there are many ways that this can look. So I'm so glad that you and your husband aren't taking that on as well during the work week. So, well, Katie, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your perspective. And we so appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening. And that way you'll get notified when our new episodes drop. Both the regular parenting and motherhood topics you're used to hearing from the Mom Hour, as well as this special series. Also, if you're enjoying our podcast episodes during this time, We'd so appreciate your support in the form of a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Ratings and reviews help others find the show, and they help us continue to grow so we can reach more moms. We'll be back with you on Tuesday with another all-new episode of The Mom Hour. Talk to you then.
Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes. 